0: All righty, hello, everyone, and welcome to the DealMaker Show. So today we have a really incredible founder, you know, a founder that, um, you know, has been building his company since he's 25. You know, he's going to be walking us through, you know, the way that he's gone about building, you know, his business and his journey, you know, from starting with his first company at a very young age to then uh, starting another one, you know, in college, that now he's actually been able to grow into more of a holding you know, of, uh, of of companies, you know, that he is definitely rolling out and and some interesting stuff. You know, we're going to be talking about fundraising, how to go from zero to 20 employees and then all, you know, to hundreds of employees like he has now. Uh, and they also negotiating for every single dollar. They've been profitable for a long time. Uh, but without further ado, let's welcome our guest today. Ross Cohen, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you having me,
0: Alejandro. Thank you. So. Born in New York, a New Yorker. So give us a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up?
1: Uh, life was good. I grew up in, so I was born in Brooklyn, uh, moved out to New Jersey, um, central New Jersey, um, probably about age four, you know, middle class. Um, Dad was an entrepreneur. My older brother wound up being an entrepreneur. Kind of my father always pushed me to just not put a ceiling over my head and and really pushed me to start a business. So started my first business at 16 and i kind of been running from there ever since.
0: And how was it like to to grow up in a family of entrepreneurs? You know, obviously you had the opportunity of seeing them at a young age, going through the cycles, the ups, the downs. How was that for you?
1: Yeah. So I think you get to see like, from the inside, you know, it, it's funny, my dad was always um willing to kind of play just just almost spitball with me, right? So if I would be able to see the ups and downs. Like you said, I think there's a look, I, I think you have to love what you're doing because I think they're like people say that there's entrepreneur. Yeah, it comes with freedom, but I don't know what freedom that actually looks like because it's, it is a grind. And I think every day, even watching my father who was in the garment center, um, growing up, um, you know, had his business and every day it was different. You know, I think every, the ups and downs are so high and low that it's, it's almost hard to find this equilibrium to some point. So I did see that and I kind of knew that going into it. And, um, you know, it was great to have my dad along the way, especially in the early stages of my business for somebody to kind of have a, as, you know, in-house consultant, if you will. And, um. You know, it's it it did lead me to starting my own companies, and, and I'm I'm glad that I got here. And but you know, every day looking back was um, a lot of stress and a lot of grind. So yeah, no but,
0: kidding. Now, 16 sounds to to be the age when you got you know really the uh, roll up of sleeves and and getting going. So so what was the triggering event there?
1: Yeah, so I you know I think I always just had this bug. I I think I don't know I don't know if I inherited it or if it's something that's just in, innately in me. Um, I just um. I, I at that time it was kind of like you have to go back seven you know so I'm I'm 42 I started at 16 um it was like the birth of the internet at the time I just knew that there was an opportunity there was something that was there was larger here than you know than than uh, that my parents have seen or you know his generations before him have seen so it was an opportunity to start a business um with very minimal capital at that time taught myself to code um and you know from there you know said hey what are what are the opportunities so I started with a lot of different things you know Put out little different internet websites. I was doing websites for companies. I would try to go, you know, door to door to some local companies and say, "Hey, you should be getting on the internet." It's kind of the next best thing. So I, I did that for a little bit, um, and then yeah, started started just kind of growing from there, understanding coding and development, and started the business and started to generate some real revenue, um, and and then grew that, uh, you know, really in, in right into college, um, and so. That, that was an, an amazing experience, and the internet really kind of gave it to me. Um, and, you know, my dad always said he was never going to let me into his business, so I had to find my own way, so I did.
0: And obviously, you know, you were growing this company that you had started at 16, and then you get into college, and uh, obviously that opened up things. You went to Rutgers, uh, and you did economics. And, then, and, and and what happened there? Because you ended up selling that company to one of your besties, and then and then you start another one. So, so what was that transition like?
1: Yeah, so that, that was an interesting one. So all throughout college, um, I stayed close. I went to Rutgers in New Jersey. I stayed close to home. I promised my mom that I would graduate college. I was already kind of, you know, making decent money already in my, in my first business. Um, you know, let's call it uh, low six figures, very low six figures. Um, but at 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, that's, you know, that's real money uh, at that age. Um, and promised my mom that I'd attend college and graduate. So went to Rutgers, um, got an economics degree, um, built that business in our attic in our house. Um, my business partner and I, who also happened to be my best friend, um, you know, built that business in our attic uh, all throughout college. Felt like again, you know, we we pushed it pretty hard. It was a business process outsourcing company. We pro- we built that to really, whereas you know, as high as we felt like the revenue could go, um, he was looking to kind of continue to stay along that path. He felt like that was the best opportunity for him as we were leaving and exiting college to graduating. Um, I, at the time, however, felt like I learned an enormous amount uh, about startups, about just, you know, we were outsourcing to India and to the Philippines. Uh, You know, when when you're starting a business like anything else and running a business, you learn so much, just about, you know, just what it takes, the grind. Um, And I felt like 4 million, you know, at that ceiling at that revenue number was while a great business great small business for anyone just i felt like there was more that i had to give and um in the mid when you're in mid in your, when you're in your mid 20s i think there's no better time to start a business i think you have the least amount of risk right associated with it there's like the worst that could have happened was was starting another business and it fails and um at that time i had a bu- you know a little bit of money saved up um it was had an opportunity to go start another company um with somebody that I went to high school with who we were both kind of the computer nerds, if you will, at at our school. Um he had started another company at the time. The kind of the stars aligned because his company raised a bunch of money. They wound up failing. It was actually like a precursor to like Friendster and and really Facebook. And so you know I'd followed what he was doing along. We'd always exchange emails throughout the year saying, hey, how's everything going? What are you doing? And we'd exchange ideas and from there, from the you know, we said, hey, let's. Why don't we just start something together? And we put a bunch of ideas down on paper. And then, kind of like I said, I had a lot more to give, and and felt like there's no other time in my life in my mid 20s than to take the shot and the risk. I, you know, I did have a girlfriend who actually became my wife. Um, but you know, no children and no other uh, no other responsibilities and no other expenses. And there's no better time at that time.
0: So so. The company, you know, that you ended up uh, building, you know, right out of college, you know, that was Bin Verified. So um, how does, you know, how did Bin Verified, you know, how did you guys start to to really push that? Because I know that the first three years were not easy. You guys were investing quite a bit on the product, but it sounds like you guys were not turning a corner. What was going on?
1: Yeah. So when we started Bin Verified, a lot of it came out of my previous experience. So my previous experience was hiring a lot of people from um from India, from the Philippines, a lot of the people that we hired actually didn't have the credentials that they said they did. Um, you know, so they would claim that they could do these things for us and ultimately a good portion or a good percentage of those people actually never really worked out. Um, so that kind of gave us the, the impetus to say, um, you know, how do you know who you're dealing with online? And again, you have to take this back 17 years, like to the days of Craigslist, right? Like, so Craigslist was the place where you were interacting, where you were buying and selling, where you were hiring, where you were looking for the next place to live. Um, So, you know, that was at that time, this really big black box of people who you had no idea who you were dealing with. So we said, what if we could add a layer of authenticity and verification to the internet? And so the first version of that idea of Been Verified was, hey, we're going to tell people that we could have them come to our site um, and allow them to verify themselves. We'll verify their education. We'll verify their previous experiences and work history. And we'll do that using third-party sources and offer them a a seal. Almost, I don't know if everybody can remember because I'm going to date and age everybody here, but there was the VeriSign seal that used to be on websites to say that this site was secure. We wanted to be VeriSign for people. Um, And so we built one out. We raised um, a bunch of money from my my co-founder actually was working at the time as a trader. We went to his boss, his boss, uh, you know, we said we're going to leave. He's leaving. His boss said, why don't you come in and pitch me the idea? Um, And shout out to Mark. He basically said, I have no idea what you guys are talking about, but I have $200,000 to give you. So here it is. And um, raised money from him. We started the business. And then um, again, really went after this verification layer for the internet. We wanted to be uh, this backbone and really sell into third parties. We had early conversations with Twitter before Twitter had, was Twitter verified. Um, you know, so we we built this layer, we built this product and ultimately found out that, you know, pushed it, but it was really hard to get into, you know, the match.coms at the time. Uh, they didn't really want a verification layer. Uh, you know, these, again, I want to be clear, this is 17 years ago. So you have to go back to the early days of the business but we burnt a lot of money really you know with four people building a product that i would say was amazing that but nobody really wanted um and ultimately what we found out was that by doing all of these verifications by understanding what we were doing with these with these people in this you know it, everybody i guess the best way to put this is that everybody believes in themselves and their identity of themselves and the authenticity of themselves so what we wound up learning in this whole process but but was that People didn't want to ultimately verify themselves, but they wanted to verify the other people that they were dealing with. So that's kind of the birth of Been Verified and a pivot that was made there. You know, burnt through a lot of capital along the way. So we wound up raising another um, six hundred thousand dollars on top of it. At this point, we had already pivoted. Um, so we saw some traction seeing what it looked like to collect public records, let people understand and search, and uh, you know, um, go out with a message of you know who's driving that who's driving your children's carpool. Um, You know, really, really just really utilizing public records in people's everyday lives. And do consumers want information to kind of better help make decisions for them? Um, So yeah, I mean, look, you from there, it really became a game of, of the dollars in the bank were the only dollars that we were ever going to have to kind of push this business forward. So um, it was crucial that we spent um, all those dollars in the right spots. And, and it was, a lot of it, I'd say, came from like just negotiating deals. Everybody's trying to separate you from your money. And, and as a business startup, the biggest and largest asset you have besides cash flow and revenue is the assets that you have in the bank, which are the dollars that you raise. So every dollar that went out was not another dollar that we had to spend towards marketing. We had to spend towards hiring that we could spend towards, um, you know, really infrastructure and building and scaling. So we were, you know, somebody at our company had to become the chief negotiating officer. And, you know, I, I picked up that role pretty pretty early and honestly we, we played every role um, you know so I'll, I'll you know give you that I'll leave it there but you know we we were the coders in the beginning we were doing the design we were the CFOs we were the, I, you know i marked up my share of legal agreements and I'm and I wasn't a lawyer you know I, I don't recommend that but um, you really have to play every role uh, you know in the beginning and the early stages to get to where you need to get to
0: so at what point did you feel that you guys were turning a corner
1: yeah so we you know we felt like we knew that the verification, but bringing people and partnering with sites to do the verification layer for them at this time, you know, I think we were just, you know, one of those, um, one of those, we were really early to something that I don't think the internet was ready for um, even though we felt like there was a necessary verification layer needed. Um, and to this day, there really is no, you know, ultimate authority for verification of who you are on the internet. Um, you know, I think that there's, there's been, a bunch of strides there, but, um, you know, so what we saw there was early traction in people that wanting to look up and understand who they were dealing with, with, with other people. So we used that, um, you know, as the now new backbone into our next pivot, which was starting Um uh So, and, and from verifi- dot com, we then created a television commercial. And ironically, we were looking and saying, where is everybody marketing? Everybody was marketing at the time on Google. Um, you know, we had tried a little bit, weren't able to crack it. This is again, let's call it year three, four, five in the business. Um, so we said, you know what? My I had a good friend that was working at MTV. Um, and he was, you know, he was a director, writer, director for MTV and said, Hey, what we're thinking about making a television commercial? What do you think we could do this on and what's the budget? So we set out for about a 15000 dollars television commercial budget, filmed a commercial, um, brought in people ironically from Craigslist as actors said, come off the street. We wrote a spot, um, tested that spot on it. And this is a great story that um, tested that spot on a, you know, we bought a a couple of ads, one of them was on the Hallmark channel. um, And it was during a Halloween episode of something in the middle of June. Um, You know, we we start the commercial runs. There's about four of us as employees still at this time. um, And we were watching in the conference room as the television commercial runs live for the first time. And we're like, oh, this is our last dollars, and this is what we spent it on. And we see nothing, right? We wait about five, 10 seconds. And all of a sudden, we have Google Analytics open, or it's precursor to Google Analytics at the time. And we see a rush of traffic to the site. And all of a sudden, it's going like this, 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 ticking up. And then boom, crash. Our servers went down. So I think from that, perspective, from that point on, we knew that we, we found our product market fit. And it was people looking to understand and validate other people's credentials. And that was, uh, you know, that was the impetus for us continuing to build the business and grow from there.
0: So obviously you guys kept uh, growing the business and this is now 16 years in. I mean, you got started at 25, now you're 42. So I mean, incredible journey. So I guess, you know, at what point does it become evident, you know, to you guys that maybe the way to go is not to keep pushing just one single entity being verified and and more, creating like a holding company to do other kind of stuff too.
1: Yeah, so I think always in so as we as we grew from there, um, so we ran a lot more television. We scaled that up to I'd say uh, you know at our, probably at our peak back then, you know, call about, about five six hundred thousand dollars in marketing. Every dollar that we were taking in, in revenue, we were constantly reinvesting right back into the business. We continued to grow, you know, the amount of data that we were licensing out. Um, Public record data that we were bringing in, we were getting better at understanding, learning, and matching. Our customer support team grew. We had to build a call center. Um, literally everything that you you know that you could think of from a small business um, hiring different more developers. We started an iPhone app that was immediately successful, had millions of downloads the second we launched it, um, and a lot of that was because of the television commercial. So, you know, then we knew that we had to um, also bring in some other more online marketing, which was you know really getting good at Google. Uh, you know, and pushing AdWords. Um, so started to get there, started to get traction, bring, I'd say, about 10, 15 people into the business at that time, um, before we hit our first kind of 5 million in revenue. Um, and then, you know, we always knew that this was like, Bin Verify was just the start, we felt like there was a huge opportunity in, in information, data driven consumer businesses. Um, and so from there, you know, we knew we still had to stay focused because I think ultimately if you put yourself into multiple if you're if you're looking at multiple opportunities you're you're destined for failure so we kept our heads down for really about 10, 12 years um building bin verified, growing that subscription base, really understanding what our customers needed, what they were requesting um being able to service that community um, and using bin verified almost as a testing bed so because we were able to sign up so many users using our marketing got really good at marketing. And so, using that testing bed, what we saw was there were opportunities within this information market because BeenVerified was really, if you think about it, almost as a really wide funnel. We were talking to everybody. Uh, it was for daters. It was for uh, you know people checking their kids in the, uh, who were driving the carpool. We saw real estate agents on the pro- on the platform. So what we saw was that. You know, the next one that we built was that people were checking phone numbers. So we said, you know what? We're going to start to understand what are these businesses inside have been verified that we could actually roll out and go deeper. Right. So one of those opportunities was with real estate agents. We actually wound up seeing a good percentage of our of the of our audience signing up who were real estate agents. And we said, wow, so this this actually probably is an opportunity to start a different data company. Um, and we started one called NeighborWho. We started another one called Ownerly.com. NeighborWho actually was for real estate agents, wholesalers, home flippers, home buyers um, and really dive into that data and go deeper than we were, we were able to do in been verified. So again, targeting that audience, speaking to them directly from a messaging perspective about why they need this information, how they're going to be educated and use this data to drive their own businesses. Um, And then, so again, using been verified to scale this really wide net would identify different business opportunities within been verified that we were then able to spin out into multiple other holding companies. And, um, you know, so that's where that idea came from.
0: Hey guys, so pardon the interruption here. So I got to tell you that, you know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard and already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. So I remember, you know, back then when I was an entrepreneur, I kept really experiencing the challenge of where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid cap type of um, a cycle. So again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team and there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com. And we would love to take a look at helping you out. So what, what has been that, that process, too, of uh, testing ideas, validating them, and then you know launching them into actual business like you did, for example, with Ownerly or with Bumper and so forth?
1: Yeah. So... That one was, it, it was every time we would get a new data set, we would say, okay, so how does this data set, um, and I'll give you an example. So we we actually started um, bringing in a lot of different data sets, obviously at this time, so BIN Verified grew from a data perspective. We have this underlying foundational data layer. Um, and within that data layer, we identified opportunities and audiences that were calling different data sets. Um, and part of one of those data sets was actually us bringing in um, vehicle history data you know, run a very light version. So we would always try to test the market and say, again, product market fit almost within Bin verified. So we were able to use Bin verified as that test bed, bringing a small amount of vehicle history data and say, okay, let's put it up as another search object in our site. So once you're a subscriber, you're able to see all of our searches in our platform and then put in vehicle history search. Right off the bat, we saw that people were started searching their uh, vehicle history and wanted to see what, you know, again, it's it's, if you think about it, it's almost a background report on a vehicle and it was it was analogous to what we were doing kind of with people and with phones and properties at this time. So again, that led us to say, wow, there's a market here. You know, and we know that Carfax is is the 800 pound gorilla but there's an opportunity for us to say, can we grow this business and outside business? Um, so again, we look at been verified as that that top of funnel test bed. If it's large enough, we'll then take that data set out and then spin it out into prop- to a different property. What we ultimately built was really this amazing platform underneath. Like, so uh, an A-B testing platform, we are able to to target audience and segments in marketing based on the channel that we're providing it by the actual ad, um, you know, and analyze all of our data with a number of BIs. So we're able to take all of this really large marketing data and A-B testing, and then re- this platform that's easy, to, we now can easily spin up new brands, identify different audiences, Spin that data out and then talk to those specific audiences, because what they're going to do now is now that it's broken out, they're able to tell us, hey, we actually want titles in in vehicle history. We actually want um, to know uh, service data in vehicle history. So, again, go deeper and uh, in a larger moat for that specific audience um, with the, again, all leading back to this underlying platform that we built to allow us to continue to scale marketing and A-B testing.
0: So, obviously, it sounds like you guys, you know, had like this incredible model, you know, and you had now, you know, about six or seven, you know, different uh, brands that you were operating under the umbrella of now the holding company called the Lifetime Value uh, Company. So, at what point does it become, you know, interesting, perhaps the idea of raising money?
1: Yeah, so, you know, we we raised money in the early days. And as I said, so we raised fa- fr- uh, friends and family from uh, my co-founder's previous boss. We raised another, what I would call another friends and family around um, where it was, um, you know, again, it was that $600,000 in the very early days. But what we learned in the, as of that process was we didn't want to be beholden to investors at that time. Um, and I think what we said was we have to make every single dollar work. And we need to try and get as profitable as possible so that we don't ever need money. I think, the, you know, one of the mistakes that I've seen, you know, very early entrepreneurs, and I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and I, I help guide and consult when I can. Um, but what I see the big one of the bigger mistakes they make is there's for a long time in the market, there was this growth at all costs, um, you know, mentality. And And I think that this growth at at all cost mentality is actually a flawed mentality. And as you're seeing in the market proving out to this day, now, every company that was growing at all costs now needs to get profitable. So, you know, I think my co-founder and I, um, there's a a saying that I believe came from Goldman Sachs, um, because one of our earlier CFOs always used to say it to us, which was, be long-term greedy, don't be short-term greedy. And what that really means is really look to the long-term and don't make any short-term decisions. And for us... um, you know, we felt that we wanted to control our own destiny. And by controlling our own destiny, that's really trying to get profitable, being cash flow positive, right? Even though we were investing every dollar back for growth, we were cash flow positive and able to keep reinvesting that back in. What we saw was an inflection point where we said, wow, there are a lot of different businesses within this been verified set that we've seen now. You know, we've now identified v- people who are looking for vehicle history. We've identified real estate agents, home sale, uh, home flippers, wholesalers. We've identified people who are looking for phone numbers. We've identified people, um, you know, looking for uh, homeowners that were just trying to understand their own neighbors and properties um, and what the values of their properties were. So, once we we were able to build this platform, we were able to roll out this many companies so easily. Um, using the platform that we had already built to build and Verified, the CRM, the subscription service. You know, there's a lot that goes into understanding subscription services. Um, the customer support teams that we've built, we have three different call centers that are hundreds of people, those that, that are outsourced. Um, so once you've kind of built this foundational layer, um, you're able to take this platform and say, what else can we apply this platform to? So. We then looked to the outside uh, investment community and said, "Hey, we really we're really on to something here. We built this underlying platform that we believe is better than uh, you know 99.8 uh, of anything that's out there. Um, you know, we're able to uh, we built an, a large marketing team, a large product team. Uh, you know, we have really great resources that we're able to apply into different teams, and we call them pods. And each one of these pods can go after different um, pieces of the business. And so." Yeah, know, we, we looked to the outside uh, investment community, we wanted to see if there was kind of an appetite for what we have built and, uh, you know, went to a number of investors, um, wound up choosing Morgan Stanley and, and raising $150 million in the end of 2020. Um, and it was under the thesis that that we we are going to continue to use this platform and invest in it to continue growing and scaling these businesses that we're already in and identify new opportunities because we are now signing up, you know, millions of people a year. Um, into these platforms. And those millions of people a year are helping us identify other business opportunities in the information data space.
0: That's amazing. So now, obviously, you know, when you raise money, especially raising the amount that you guys raised, $150 million, I mean, that's a lot of zeros. You know, it comes with a uh, responsibility and, and also, you know, with uh, pushing for realizing a vision, a vision that you share, you know, with the people that are investing the money. So if you were to go to sleep tonight, Ross, and you wake up in a world where the vision of the lifetime value is fully realized. What does that world look like?
1: It's a good question. I think you know. It's like the it's like the old um, saying that like the the journey is the destination. I'm not sure. You know. I think that there's you know obviously you know investors need to capitalize on their investment and they need to identify an exit opportunity. Um, and I think that you know ultimately. Um, you know, we have shareholders, we that, you know, we're beholden to, we have employees who are beholden to are also shareholders. Um, you know, I think for us, you know, getting to a great outcome doesn't necessarily mean us having to sell or having to go public. I'd like to kind of leave that um, to the board and the board and I, and I said on the board, but you know, those conversations sit at the board level as what's the best opportunity for the business. So, but at the same time, it's, it's um, you know, as an operator, you have to think a little bit more short to the medium term. As a shareholder and a, and a larger shareholder in the company, you have to think to the long term and what does that look like? So, you know, I think it's an interesting question when you say, what does realisation look like? Um, you know, I, I, don't, I can't give you a great answer because I've actually, you know, I've written a blog post and I've said where it's almost like the desert less traveled, right? You're continually, when you start it, you don't know where you're going. You're just going to travel along this desert. There's going to be mirages that look like exit opportunities along the way. Um, but ultimately, you find out that they're just mirages. But, you know, you continue on that journey through that desert and um, I'm still on that journey and I, I don't know what exactly the exit opportunity looks like, but I would love to say that a realization continues for us to invest in the platform that we have built, identify more opportunities. You know, we're at a size now where we're looking at um, acquisition targets for us. Um, what are things that we can now plug in, right? Bolt on. So instead of starting, like we started bumper from zero to, you know, X 1000000s um, you know what are opportunities where we're seeing they're already at this this inflection point of maybe they're drilling five to ten million dollars. We could bolt them onto our platform, teach them optimization, um, you know, run marketing for them, um, and and really bring in you know those acquisitions and help them scale. And I think that that would help to prove out this platform that we built. And whether those are hundred percent acquisitions where the this primary shareholder is LTV, or whether the minority stake, we believe that you know we've scaled businesses, um, you know to over hundred million dollars in revenue. And we we want to be able to prove this platform uh, has tremendous value in a consumer business model.
0: So then let's talk about now the past, but doing so with a lens of reflection, because you've been pushing, you know, this company for 16 years, you know, on your way to 17. I mean, that in dog years, you know, obviously the startup world is absolutely incredible. So um, imagine I was to put you into a time machine, and I bring you back in time, maybe to that moment where you are at Rutgers, you know, university, and thinking about, you know, what's the next the next chapter as an entrepreneur going to be. And imagine you had the opportunity of sitting down with that younger Ross and being able to give that younger Ross one piece of advice before launching a business. What would that be, and why? Seventeen years in.
1: Uh, so I think you have to have you, know, you know, looking at and saying, asking, you know, talking to my my past self. Um. I would say just go for it. And I think ultimately that's what I did at the time then too. And I think, you know, I think you just have to go for it. I think that the, you, you, all the things that you're going to encounter, I, I, my, my co-founder and I actually talk about this a lot. And I think that being naive is actually what got us here. Uh, You know, for a lot of years, being naive, thinking that we could build this to a billion dollar company is part of the process. Like, so for me to go back and, and with my almost too much critical self. I, I think at this point where we're, we're like so critical about all these opportunities, we do get thrown a lot of, you know, deal flow and looking at, uh, you know, I've gotten my share of, uh, you know, I've made my share of investments and startups and stuff. So um, you almost become more critical. And I'd actually rather leave my old self more naive, because I think that was what ultimately got us here. Um, and not knowing the future is 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 the win and not not telling them, All of the pitfalls that you're going to hit and all the things that you're going to need to deal with and how hard management is. Like when you start a business, nobody tells you that you're going to have to be a manager of 350 people. Like that's just like that's not even something that crosses your mind. You're just, you know, you're excited. You're trying to build this product. You're trying to get it off the ground. You're trying to launch your vision and strategy. um, And you're learning new things every day. Um, and I still learn at new things every day, but it's different. I mean, I think I, at this size of the, the game, am, you know, you're managing from a top down and from a strategy perspective. Um, and it, it's just a different, you know, it's a different place than when you're in a startup mode. And I'd, I'd hate to ruin the naiveness that I had. And I know that na- naivete looks is a word that almost is looked down upon. But I actually think in, from a startup perspective, um, you need it. Um, you know, uh, You need it.
0: I love it. So, Ross, for the people that are listening, that would love to reach out and say hi. What is the best way for them to do it? So?
1: so, yeah, I mean, I'm on uh, I'm on uh, Instagram at, at Ross Co. Ross, R-O-S-S-C-O-H. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Ross Cohen. Um, you could, uh, you know, e- if you have anybody that's a uh, entrepreneur that's looking to touch base, I'm happy. Happily, you could email me at Ross at Ltvco.com. Um, yeah, I'm out there. So I'm um, more than happy to talk to entrepreneurs as they're looking to scale their journey.
0: Amazing. Well, easy enough. Well, Ross, thank you so much for being on the DealMaker Show today. It has been an honor to have you with us.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, Andrew. I really appreciate you having me. If you like the show, make sure that you
0: hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it.